So you know how I told you one of the pull quotes for Lehman Trilogy was like, you should crawl through broken glass to see this. And I was like, well, we're crawling through the coronavirus. Except we can't anymore. Literally like three minutes after you sent me that article, like the only three coworkers of mine that were in the office today, like stood up from their desk and they were like, hey, Cindy, did you hear Broadway shutting down? I was like, yes, I did. I get it. We are recording this, by the way, on March 12th for anyone that's confused about what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Day Broadway died. On your birthday. Okay. Welcome, everyone, to Bottomless Broadway, where we talk musicals over mimosas and discuss the Tony-eligible musicals during this time of um, literal darkness. So you probably don't have shows to see anyway. You might as well listen to us. And today, <laughs> we're going to talk about... Diana. It's one of the few shows that have actually started before Broadway shutdown happened. Uh, what's the deadline to open for the Tonys this year? It is April 23rd, which that's definitely going to get moved, right? Anyone that hasn't started previews yet or just started previews is pretty much Yeah, booked. well, I mean, like, Flying Over Sunset and Sing Street haven't even started. Caroline or oh Change either. You know what really sucks is it also closed on six opening date. Yes. Yeah, they don't get to open <laughs> Well, so since I have these like all on my calendar, so Flying Over Sunset was supposed to start previews today. Six was supposed to open today. Carolina Change was supposed to start previews tomorrow. Company was supposed to open on March 22nd. Sing Street was supposed to preview on March 26th. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire was supposed to open April 5th. Uh, Carolina Change opened oh, damn. April 7th. <laughs> and... And I mean, technically, that's where the cutoff date ends for Broadway being like shut down. But I mean, who knows what will happen in the next four weeks? It could get extended. But Diana. Back to Diana. <laughs> uh, do you have five words? I have kind of five words for like our specific um, experience, which was first preview. So be nice because we did see the first preview of it. Um, yep. There could be a lot of things that are changed. There's a lot of things I did not quite like, which I think they could change. We'll cut them a little bit of slack since since it was their like first show on Broadway. That's true. Um, I, I like, was brainstorming my five words, and I had one, but I wasn't really going to settle on it because I didn't love it, but I don't have anything else. Um, it was just, she doesn't seem that underestimated, and I can sort of explain it but basically like i feel like they try to really talk about her like private life instead of um her public life which in my opinion are still the most interesting parts of the show right well quick summary um not a lot of spoilers because it is based on her life and i also don't have that much to say but if you didn't know diana is about princess diana of wales a beautiful and noble but poor lady slash school teacher who's shy but also personable and awkward but extremely charming and loved by the public but apparently too scandalous for the royal family so i saw this in san diego almost exactly a year ago and right now the new opening number is called underestimated it's online um we'll put a link to it where you can listen to it and see how it serves as an opening number but the old opening number was Once Upon a Time because Diana is like portrayed as super into like trashy romances, fairy tales, like princes, all that stuff. Like she was also kind of like a normal girl who wanted a Prince Charming to come along. And she's like very awkward about it in her first meeting with Charles, which is actually pretty funny. 
But because they had that like once upon a time number in the beginning, it was kind of like older Diana looking back on um, specifically her wedding scene and being like, hey, like I thought I was, you know, getting it all like I married a prince. I did it. Yay. And sort of reflecting on how that's not how everything panned out. But I think this pivot to underestimated, it's like your five words were it doesn't really tell us anything new about her. And also the song itself is, I don't think that engaging or that inspiring. I mean, I guess it was kind of cool to see her evolution between being that super awkward, very naive kind of girl to being this very sort of self-assured woman that we mostly know her as. Like, I agree with that as in like, I don't have a problem with how awkward she was at the beginning. Like, it was kind of shocking. But like, if that's how she was, then cool. But I don't think the musical actually showed us that evolution. Right, exactly. I feel like the musical showed us stuff that we already knew. Yeah, I guess so. Like, in, well, I don't know if like in reality, but like in my mind, she had like a much more dramatic like Daenerys evolution. Your downfall's been devised Won't they be surprised When you're underestimated They minimize your thoughts They maximize your flaws The trouble you can cause When you're underestimated Underestimated so the other thing that they kind of do to sort of frame this is they use the paparazzi a lot, but also at the same time, like not enough for what I think they're trying to do. So I really like the original idea of like this once upon a time thing, because it it gave her like a way to look back and be like, here's what I was like then. And here's what I'm like now. Um, but they also like never picked it up later in the show either, even in the original tryout, which was kind of disappointing. So when you, when you were describing to me how they did it in San Diego with Once Upon a Time and her wedding dress on stage, I was like imagining it super vividly. And I was like, I don't know why, but if, isn't it just like, um, like the Avita production that we saw? Yeah. Just like, All right, here, here's the wedding dress. Get over it. Move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Evita at City Center did something similar in the beginning where um, Evita, presumably as like a ghost or something, sees her, her famous like speech dress thing after they win the election um, and is kind of like reflecting on her life as the opening number happens. And yeah, that was basically what Once Upon a Time kind of was in the San Diego production. They brought back a few lines of Once Upon a Time like throughout the show in that production when like something unexpected happened or like when she was feeling, you know, like very unsure of herself, but they never really fully went to that. Like I'm reflecting on my life and seeing it in a different light kind of thing, which is where I wanted them to go. Mm-hmm. And so in this production, instead of doing that, they were like, what if we lean into the press? Um, which is not a bad idea, but they have like the paparazzi come in every few scenes or so when she when something happens and they do like the same dance. They sing basically the same song, um, which is like, OK, it I thought it was a little tiring after a while. But the thing that I wish they did was carry it into the second act, which is where she's kind of like, OK, they did. Well, no, but like the thing is, she's like, okay, if the press are going to follow me around everywhere, I want to use the press for my own gains. And I'm going to talk to the press and I'm going to like give an interview, which like no other royal has ever done. And I would have been interested in seeing that reflected in the song they sang. Cause like 
in the songs before they're all kind of like oh who's this like nobody she's you know whatever she's just like a blushing virgin all that and they never like change that opinion of her in the song they like never come back and do that same kind of thing but in a different light which is what i think would have been more interesting to show i think first of all the press like never tried to show her in a good light well we like the press that this musical is talking about in particular are just like the british tabloids which like we're not really ever speaking of her in good light she was just like like the drama of the moment okay so like things that i like about this weird tabloid dance people um i like their dance it is very similar to the cursed child cape dance because they're (laughs) in like like uh trench coats and they just like swing them around with cameras and it's like pretty nicely synchronized and i can see them getting like more and more angry because in the beginning there's just like who is she like she's not worth prince charles like she's just like a momentary thing and then towards the end they start like calling her name which is like kind of the build-up to the point of them essentially causing her death when this played in san diego um was there just like no press songs at all there was um, Snap Click, which is the third number now. And I don't think we really saw any of those again. I mean, like in The Dress when Charles is going on TV and also in um, The World Fell in Love, when it shows the press like diverting attention and paying attention to her instead of Charles. They had that, but they never like had those press interludes that they have now where it's like the press comes on stage and like sings half of their original number and does their dance again um i think that only happened once Mm. in san diego i mean i also feel like it's like a it's like a timing thing because of the whole prince harry and Merkel leaving the royal family stuff Mm -hmm. um because everyone was just like good job harry like the tabloids are ripping your wife apart and like your dad could not save your mother from it, so fuck yeah. him. <laughs> Which is funny because um in the San Diego program, the director had like an artistic note, Christopher Ashley, and he was like, The celebration of Prince Harry's recent wedding to Meghan Markle, another divorced American, would not have been possible without Diana. Though she was only married to Charles for fifteen years, Princess Diana pushed the crown in a direction that reflects our contemporary world. And I think that was like what they were trying to get at i don't know if they Mm -hmm. necessarily succeeded though i basically just like was reading this buzzfeed comparison thing um and the things they say are ridiculous because the the article put like kate middleton articles next to Meghan markle articles like side by side talking Mm -hmm. about practically the same things so like one was literally like like kate middleton like six months pregnant cradling her baby bump like so cute like look at her being a loving maternal person as she like walks down this aisle in her beautiful ass skin (laughs) you know and then and then like literally like the comparison article was like what the fuck is wrong with Meghan markle can she not stop touching her baby bump and i was like what the fuck is wrong with that and i guess it's because Meghan markle's black or american or something like yeah they just probably both are also like an actress so like not that elite right i don't know oh she's making her own money now so so lesson of life don't marry a prince i don't know we just like skipped right over what good is a prince 
What good is a prince? What do they do? I, right. I thought that was a cool di- dynamic when Diana thought like Camilla was on her side. But yeah, I thought it was kind of cool because she's she and Charles were like, you know, already in love. And she's like, Charles, you just need to marry a girl and they'll stop like being on your case for like trying to figure out who you're going to marry. And then we can just like have our affair in peace. Um, so she is trying to also get Charles to marry Diana, who's like the perfect picture of a princess which was kind of shitty although like i feel like a lot of the show like just gives her a lot of sympathy which also makes sense i mean like i feel bad for them because i feel like it's not like she just really wants to cheat if like the guy she was cheating with wasn't the prince she could have just like gotten a divorce right but then like she was just stuck in that situation Yeah, I feel like the show does a fairly good job of balancing, like, who you feel sorry for, because, because, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, with Camilla, um, she gets a song later called I Miss You Most on Sundays, which is actually a pretty nice song. Um, And it's just mostly about how they can't really be together. And obviously, you feel sorry from Diana, because most of it is, like, from her point of view. And the only one you don't really care about is Prince Charles. Yeah, he's an asshole the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. I actually didn't care for I Miss You Most on Sundays as like an emotional factor or as a song, but I really felt bad for her um, and him and her and him and her when she was just like, I'm just another mistress locked at home while my lover goes attend public events with the fucking princess. I mean, I even like cared a little bit about Queen Elizabeth too, because you can kind of see her position on it. Um, so it's really just so- Charles that no one likes. I don't care about the queen either. Since you guys saw in San Diego, you were really interested in officer's wife. Maybe it was better in San Diego, but like I yeah, just did maybe. not care about that at all. Yeah. I was um, just like, oh, whatever. I like the other woman that she played. <laughs> yeah. Barbara Cartland was a novelist that wrote all these trashy romances. And she was also Diana's step aunt, stepmother, something what? like that. And yeah, she has some like great appearances played also by Judy Kay, the same actress who plays Queen Elizabeth. So she's fantastic. That was great. Diana was like, you write all these romance novels. What do you think about true love? And she's like, oh, that's bullshit. Please do not <laughs> read my books. Please read other books. <laughs> this is how your people dance is. I think it's like the first good number of the show. It's well staged, but I don't think it was like remarkable. I mean, like, it doesn't show you anything new. It's basically like, Diana is different from everyone else because they like watching a solo cello concert while Diana wants, like, rock and roll. I liked some of her lyrics in that um, when she, like, references the different rock bands that she listens to and then the, like, music suddenly switches. Also, the cello player, that cello prop is great because he turns it around and all of a sudden it's an electric cello. It's hilarious. I love it. You remember that really good line where, because she's literally like, oh, I wish this is Elton John. And then Prince Charles is like, you look like like you're not really here because like she's not focused. And mm-hmm. she was like, oh, yeah, this music is transporting me. <laughs> oh, but her dress was hideous. Yeah, well, her dress was fine, but she has like this mid-song costume change. I feel like I don't remember it being that weird in San Diego. So I don't know if they were like not done making costumes yet or something. That's how it felt because I think a lot of the stuff didn't look too tailored, which is very disappointing because like a big part of Diana's stuff is her outfits. 
Um, so yeah, so her proper celloist dress is this like big green ball gown. But then the way that they do the costume change on stage between like the cello playing and her imagining rock concerts is by basically just like like velcroing like the back of her green ball gown is velcroed and they just open it but they don't open the sleeve caps they just like open it like a tube top kind of and take it out and then underneath it is like a shorter white dress that she like dances around in but then she has these like really awkward green sleeve caps and then they put the green dress back on and it it looks very awkward to do which hopefully either they'll have like a better costume later or Mm -hmm. they'll get it like so that it's more smooth the thing that confuses me is like um like this white dress that she's imagining rock concerts and is her imagination so it could literally be any dress right so like why can't it just be green or like just make it a green shirt and like a jean skirt or something i don't know Mm -hmm. it's very weird it wasn't even like a rock concert outfit yeah the next few songs i didn't think were super notable oh but okay well so really quick only the monarchy is on the line is um queen elizabeth's first song where she's basically like prince charles get married like the monarchy is on the line and it wasn't an amazing song i think like it might be pretty easy and fun to listen to on the soundtrack but like on stage it was just okay um but what i did write down in my notes was that when Queen Elizabeth walks onto stage for the very first time and she's in like a below the knee pencil skirt and like a blazer, like a Mm -hmm. pantsuit, but skirt, whatever those are called. I don't know. Um, With like a, with like a little cap on and um, the stage is backlit. And I literally was like, Oh my God, it's professor Umbridge. (laughs) She does have like the same hair. Yeah. Oh, this was also went so uh what's that thing that you learn in art class that shows you that something's far away? Um like perspective. You, you kind of see like the palace like that at the very um like very, very upstage mm-hmm. with like the castle gates slightly more downstage and then like all the other set is just like in front of that. Which like it's I guess they're not perfect because they're not outside of the castle, but it was very pretty. It's a cool set. Because the main set, I guess, is kind of like the gates of the the palace. But then the um, the pillars of the gates can sort of move around. And they'll sort of move in to sort of create different rooms of where their scene is taking place. And, mm-hmm. and it's very high-tech set. And the gates will also move to sort of create like outdoor space and other things like that. And it's very cool how they use essentially the same things to create different spaces whatever love means anyway is prince charles proposal song he's just like i love you whatever love means anyway but let's just get married and she's like okay she's very naive (laughs) yeah it was very well she was 19 and he was like 34 or something i think they also hammered that home a lot more in the san diego version because i remember her belting and i was only 19 or something like that and i don't think she did that here so that's very taylor swift um what's that song dear john don't you think 19 is too young to be played with by your dark twisted games when i loved you so princess diana Uh, 
um, yeah, so proposal happens. The next song is called I Will, which is the marriage. And that's where we see the wedding dress for the first and final time. The World Fell in Love, I thought, was the next, like, interesting song. Because it's mm-hmm. it actually shows character development, first of all. Um, right. And, like, she's meeting the people of Wales. Like, the queen and the prince are like, here, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do that. Wear your gloves, all that. Don't touch them. And she's like, I don't know what to do i'm overwhelmed so i'm just gonna just gonna like kind of approach them and do whatever i want and then all of a sudden the people are like oh my god she's kind of cool but yeah but it's like i feel like when you were talking about her public life being more interesting i feel like it was more of these songs that were it was like how the public yeah. responded to her how she kind of outshone prince charles and how he kind of became the villain in his own story and that was done pretty well in the musical because like she was really interesting in her public like appearance scenes and you could see how she was appealing. And then especially in this song, you could even see how like her original intention was not to outshine Prince Charles because she was like, Oh, like in case you guys forgot, here's <laughs> my husband, the Prince who speaks Welsh. And they're like, yeah, fuck him. Yeah. Then like on the flip side, we have happiness slash simply breathe, which is, when she has her children, like both children popped out in one song and then we're, we just never see them again. Um, we're not even sure that they had two baby dolls. And then she has that funny line. My ginger haired baby, you are second to none. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we were like, he's like number 105 <laughs> on his way to the throne right now. So he's definitely second to plenty of people. <laughs> He's probably, like, sitting in his home in Canada, like, oh, my God, William, stop having kids. Every time you have kids, I just get demoted in this line to the throne. It's okay. He denounced the throne now. So it's... I mean, he's still in line for the throne, but, like, he's like, fuck these people. He doesn't really want it. I mean, he knows he's not getting it because literally if his brother dies, it's just going to be George the toddler. (laughs) Yeah. So he's probably like, fuck it, whatever. Like, babies don't even die from coronavirus, so I have no chance. (laughs) It's funny because we talk about how earlier on Charles is like, oh, if I want to be king, I have to marry this girl. I can't marry Camilla. Like, whatever. Like, he has to do all these things if he wants to be king. Can't marry a divorcee. And he's still not king. (laughs) So The dramatic irony of this show versus reality is one of the best parts because we're all just sitting there like yes so how do you feel about your decisions now that you're still not king but yeah so i love she moves in the most modern ways so they do this thing a lot in this show i think where they have one song and it's like a theme song of a series of scenes and the series of Mm. scenes will happen and they'll keep like kind of repeating the main theme but with variations depending on the scene and i think this is another one of those right I think people sing um, She Moves in the Most Modern Ways with very different intentions, kind of like Requiem in Dear Van Hansen, because like the queen sang a verse where she was just like, I hate this girl. Like, why is she such a hoe? She moves in the most modern ways. And then like Camilla sings it in a very like, I'm so jealous of her. Like she's young. She's beautiful. She's not afraid to take risks. Just like, oh, I'm never going to be that. Like, that's why I can't be the princess kind of way. Right. The next song is Diana the Rage, which is basically just Prince Charles getting pissed that Diana isn't just staying home doing nothing. But what was the thing that like set that off? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. The thing was um, her dancing at the ballet or something. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so Diana, yeah. parenthesis, the rage. We had a whole conversation after the show with one of our friends. And she was like, 
who puts an alternate title in parentheses? And now we have a Spotify playlist of all the alternate titles for, <laughs> for songs in Little Shop. Yeah. <laughs> so, but also it is a pretty bad title. I'm not going to lie. Right. I, because the main title is the title of the show and it really doesn't deserve to be. Right. Because the only reason it is that is just because he's so mad. He keeps saying Diana. He's like, you can't do this. Diana. And he just like repeats Diana a lot. And that's probably the only thing he repeats. So they were like, well, we got nothing else to call this. So they could have just called it The Rage or something. Like, I don't know. I was pretty shocked by this song. I was sitting in my seat like, holy fuck, he's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, a terrible person. They like, hate him so much. It's like watching your parents fight. I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> Should I be clapping here? But also, he was a good <laughs> singer, but and very what? good at like acting out how pissed off he was. Yeah, I like Camilla, played by Erin Davy, as like an actress and in, in her role. And then she sings I Missed You Most on Sundays because Sundays are boring. It was one of those songs that was like, tune isn't very memorable. Can you remember it? Because I really I cannot. can't. I think I only know, I could tell you like four songs. Probably the next one? Yeah. Just the best song. Which is a fantastic act one closing number. Best number in the whole show, probably. It's not my favorite number. I think I like the main event, but that's probably mm. just because of the way it's staged. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like this is where they all, like, really came together and, like, all the elements of the show really just, like, gelled and they figured out what they were trying to do. Pretty Pretty Girl. It's when Diana's like, well, fuck the prince. It's low-key her rainbow tour moment. She's like, (laughs) all right, fuck everyone else because I'm already the princess. I already have the press's attention. Well, the, the world fell in love was her, like, she wasn't doing it on purpose. But here she's like, okay, this is my idea. I'm gonna do this now. Yep. But then also it made her seem very conniving because she was just like, I'm gonna take advantage of the press. I liked that, though, because... She just, like, didn't seem to have a spine for such a long time. I mean, I like that because, like, I enjoy a good bitch. But, like, I don't know if it's, like, actually, like, a good representation of her or makes her a good person. Mm -hmm. It's just like, yes, go, girl. Well, I feel like it was done in a way where she's like, I'm so fed up. I've tried so hard to be, like, the perfect princess. It's not working. And I'm just miserable. So I might as well just go out and, like do whatever like she was still sympathetic i think Mm -hmm. and boy does she go out and do whatever we get into mission immediately after that (laughs) here comes james hewitt is literally the name of the song and it's great because barbara cartland is like narrating it so it's like her trashy romances come to life i love it cheap rhyme but amazing like part of the show (laughs) when they're like here comes james hewitt he really did do it and then they like thrust their hips like all the ensemble (laughs) dancers it was also like the most appropriate act two opener yeah like even like i don't think this show opened or closed very well but it no it knew how to close the first act and open the second one right they got their intermission transition down <laughs> yeah but that also like leads directly into him and her and Which him barbara and her. still narrates so everyone's in an affair they're all fairly happy well it starts off as a comedy song because barbara's narrating and she's like it's him and her and oh look it's him and her um mm-hmm. But I think, like, James Hewitt and Camilla's, like, verses in the song are actually pretty sad. Yeah. Um, The other thing that the show does with its songs is, like, you think the song's over. 
and it just like leads directly in dialogue so there's no really like a applause break but then it like comes back again kind of a weird thing to do but it i don't really have an issue with it it's kind of interesting i guess because it's showing how this song can be used in different ways which is kind of cool but it is something that happens multiple times the main event your favorite so to set the scene is that Prince Charles is attending a party with Camilla, but Diana doesn't know. And then her sister's like, you know, they're at a party together right now. And she was like, the fuck? So then she shows up to the party and she was like, hi, I'm here to see my husband, you know, the prince. And then everyone else is like, what the fuck? All the other attendees at the party, they were originally like kind of like leaning on these railings as they were drinking and talking. But those railings like become like a light up boxing ring. Because it's like the two girls fighting. Camilla starts off real strong. I really thought Diana was going to start crying. But then she like gathers herself. And she's like well you fucked up. Because I'm not a timid little bitch. And I'm here to take my husband back. (laughs) And then they go through this whole thing. And then at the very end. She's like I'm going to grab my car keys. And I'm going to go home. But I'm taking my man with me. Because he is mine. And it's so uncomfortable. (laughs) But so awesome. It was great and like the boxing ring situation worked really well prince charles was useless he was sitting there like so i don't awkward. know how to get between them like oh, holy fuck maybe i should just leave and leave the two of them here like oh i mean God. if i were him not that he had this at the time but i would have been like i'm calling an uber <laughs> like getting <laughs> here maybe a walk to buckingham palace yeah it is it is very cool because it's basically just like hardcore belting verbal sparring kind of thing Mm-hmm. A bunch of stuff happens where Diana just still gets fed up with Charles because that's the story of this whole show. And mm-hmm. and then she like finally is like, you know what? I'm going to just give my side of the story because everyone just thinks that I'm being irresponsible. So the words came pouring out. It's one of those like many scenes, moves through time, people use it in different contexts kind of thing. Like they say the words came pouring out as Diana gives this interview to um, Andrew Morton. And then after like Prince Charles reads it, it's then the hate came pouring out. She was like pretty brutal in the interview, though, because she was like, he never tried to be loyal. He's the worst person ever. And then like obviously the book writer was just like gobbling it up. And I was like, wow, you're like really going for it. So the book comes out. Um. Camilla is freaking out because she's like, everyone loves Diana. I am now officially the country's like worst enemy. And Prince Charles is like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just going to tell everyone the truth. And the queen's flipping out because she's like, every man I know has cheated, but no one has confessed to it on <laughs> national television. I think an issue with the show also, which also comes into play in The Dress, which is the next song, is that it keeps sort of going back and forth between whether or not it wants to be campy or whether or not it wants to like actually tell Diana's story. Because, like, the dress is pretty campy. Um, Here Comes James Hewitt is pretty campy. And, like, they have a lot of those moments. But then a lot of the first act is just, like, very kind of serious. And they don't really strike that balance super well, I think. But with the whole tabloid thing, the words came pouring out. And with the dress, too. It feels like it was a snapshot of what the tabloids were like, basically. I kind of wonder if they had played into that sort of, like, campy side of, like, Diana, but 
as portrayed by the tabloids as almost satire, I guess. Like, I don't know. Hmm. I just don't think overall, because it's a fairly straight story about Diana, I don't think it would be that interesting to people who already knew her story. Mm-hmm. With the dress, this was like her revenge dress to take away attention from Charles. It's a very memorable number. I don't know if it's memorable for a good reason necessarily, because it's like a one joke number. So it's, again, not a scandalous dress, some shoulder, some leg. And let's um, be bolder, make it off the shoulder. So fuck you, dress. <laughs> because Prince Charles went on national television and admitted that he was cheating at the same time that Diana wore a fuck you dress. And so the queen is finally like, okay, fine, just get a divorce. I get it. Okay, you don't have to like ruin everything in the world to convince me that you need this divorce. I understand. So that happens. And then she gets a sympathy solo. Which also kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, I like the song because you do kind of see, like, the queen's like, guys, I'm trying so hard to make you guys not fight. Like, just stop fighting. Just figure it out. It was kind of like an okay boomer moment because she was just (laughs) like, listen, millennials, you're not the only people that have been through hardship. Let me tell you about my life. It was also very difficult. Maybe I would have enjoyed it more if it fit better because, um... It did come out of nowhere, and at that point, I was more interested in just, like, finishing, like, wrapping yeah, up that's, the plot. Yeah, that's fair. Because, um, like, the dress is so campy and so much, like, a comedy number. It's just a very random tonal shift. Mm-hmm. And you, like, strictly speaking, don't need her number. It's just, like, because I guess you want to see like, where the queen's coming from. I think it was, like, so, like it creates a connection between her and Diana and it humanizes the queen. And I think like in the end, because like the queen is well loved right now, she's living that they wanted a number to humanize her, but her character up until this point, like wasn't really a, like a quote unquote villain that required humanizing. Right. Cause like no one really hated her. Like the villain for the most part was kind of like Prince Charles slash the paparazzi. Mm-hmm. And then the queen was always like a semi campy villain especially because she was also playing barbara right you know? and then they were just like well let's give her like this like big solo and it was like well i didn't really need this because she wasn't a she wasn't like a fleshed out villain to begin with that required yeah. like a story later on i mean i guess the other thing they could have been trying to do with this is like how they were trying to draw parallels between like Meghan markle and diana they're also drawing parallels between diana and the queen in this song so it could just mm-hmm. be like, look at what's perpetuated through. Like, this is what we've always done. Like, it's not just you. But it just like, it's just a little too late to be drawing those parallels, I think. And yeah. if they had wanted to do that, they should have started doing that earlier, I guess. Then we have the finale number, which I just honestly think is uh, very cheap. It's called If, which is, first of all, also a terrible name for a song. And she's basically talking about like, Wow, now that I'm free from Charles, I could do anything. I could do, like, all this stuff. In this song, it's actually, like, funny when it's not supposed to be. She literally has this line, and she's like, If Charles steps aside and lets my William reign, then all this suffering will not have been in vain. And I'm like, that is very on the nose to put in the finale number of a musical that you're writing about the royal family, who are all still alive right now, except for your main bitch. It's just... The writers conveying how tired they are of having a senior citizen to the head of the royal family. (laughs) If I can carry on, stay calm. 
it's not even the real like finale number because there's still like more after this song. So it's not like, yeah, like come from (laughs) away. They have reporters because everyone knows how this story ends. Um, And so it's not just like they sing the song blackout. It's like they sing the song and then the reporters start filtering in. So if is like, she's like, I'm going to do so many things with the rest of my life. So I think that like, if we didn't already know her story, maybe it would have been like, like, whoa plot twist right but like we already know she's dying so when it becomes clear that this is the closing number everyone's just like okay (laughs) like whatever yeah talk about your hopes and dreams and then just kick the bucket (laughs) so like it doesn't really work because it's like historical reality yeah it's given away Um, yeah and then immediately after, Christopher Ashley is just like, oh, I've done reporters. <laughs> Let's just do it again. Yeah. I got this. Um, the other thing is this song reminds me a lot of this other song from Smash, which is Don't Forget Me. It mm-hmm. just feels like that same kind of like slightly disappointing, not that inspired kind of song. When you sing happy birthday to someone you love, or say And, like, that whole thing about, like, trying to make her like every woman, I don't think they should be doing that necessarily because she's obviously not. Like, she was put in very extraordinary circumstances. Well, the show wasn't trying to say that she was in extraordinary circumstances because they kept on going back to, like, well, like, she was just an elementary school teacher plus every man in Britain cheats on his wife. It didn't work because like, even though it's not true, that the best thing she ever did was marry Prince Charles. Like that is an important part of her story. Yeah. Like she was a princess and then all this shit happened. Right. But she still had the resources to like do better shit because she was a princess. Yeah. Even with the press, like they never really carried through with the press and they did kind of portray like how much people loved her, but they didn't, portrayed like how much kind of like mass hysteria there was and all that every time we like mention this it does seem like more and more like an evita story where it's like Mm -hmm. no one liked her in the beginning everyone thought she was like dumb in evita they thought she was just like sleeping her way to the top um but then like she really earned the sympathy of the people and like the being a commoner yeah and just being like i care about your causes and evita like does do this interesting thing where they have like a a political opposer to her like they have shay and he's like hey you might have done all this good stuff but what about all this bad stuff you did and you know diana didn't necessarily do that so like that exact angle wouldn't have worked but something like that where it's like you have at least something to push back against and to try to show like what are you trying to tell us besides what we already know that's so true because like my inner thoughts were like wow she's like a lot more manipulative than i had originally thought i feel like it might have been cool to see someone with that angle because like all the criticism that we saw of her in the musical wasn't valid. And I feel like that was done on purpose because they were trying to like make her perfect. Right. So like the criticism was like, you're not proper. Like, obviously we're all sitting there like, well, fuck you. Like now it is 2020 and we don't give a fuck about that. Yeah. There was so much criticism of her, but none of it was anything that we like audience found valid. Mm -hmm. I feel like there 
was some room to have valid criticism. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, maybe that's another thing is because, you know, Broadway's target demographic is essentially like white ladies in their 60s. Which is why it is very good that they're all shut down now because (laughs) all of the grandmas are going to die if they get exposed to coronavirus. Yeah. But I think they are also just very in love with Diana in a way where if there was like a slightly vilified angle or at least like some controversial um, depiction of her, it wouldn't have gone over well with the target audience. Yeah. I think the thing that was nice about this is the music was not memorable, but Mm -hmm. it is like very 80s rock synthesizer score kind of thing. The idea behind that is that that was the music that Diana was into. And so they wanted that to kind of be able to tell it from her point of view more. So I thought that was a good reasoning for why they had the kind of music they do. Because I feel like most shows nowadays just default to like, let's do some basic bitch pop score. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to like hear something slightly different from that, even if it was not that memorable. And mm-hmm. that's, I think, the thing with this whole show is there's so many good pieces of it. But mm-hmm. their overall vision of it just was not as interesting as it could have been. So like, it's still an enjoyable time. Like, if you want something to watch, it's still a pretty solid show. Like, the actors are great. It definitely has a high production value. So, yeah. I have it listed as, like, zero Tonys. (laughs) Costume, I think, was the only thing if they, like, fix some of the fitting. Yeah. Um, Like, right now for costumes, I have listed Moulin Rouge, Six, Diana, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Tina. Mm. Um, So, so will it might be long. Um, As far as Diana's clothing go... Is he just copying like 90s couture because like she's wearing real designers that are like alive and well and selling red carpet outfits today, right? And like he's not one of them. It's not like the Bob Mackie and Cher situation where like those were his costumes to begin with. So like is he just like – is he just replicating like Chanel and then tailoring it to the actress? Because that doesn't really seem like a very difficult job to me. Yeah. Um, also, this is a 76th Broadway show, which is he's old. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. He's toned down the shoulder pads, reshaped the silhouettes. Um, we want to see her as beautiful like now. I don't know if each costume has like a one-to-one with a thing that she's worn before in real life. Besides the revenge dress and the wedding dress, obviously. Okay, cool. Well, so that's all we have for Diana. We will have a few revivals that we've seen that we will probably release episodes for, depending on how long this this band goes on. So keep an eye out for that. We'll actually do revivals this time. It's exciting. Got some very interesting ones. The ones this year are... A lot to process. They're wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you want to see those in the future, you should subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you use. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bottomless B-Way or email us any feedback, any notes, anything at bottomlessbway at gmail.com. And we will see you again in two weeks. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.